So we are continuing in 2 Timothy. Uh, Again, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Paul is facing death soon. He is in prison when he is writing this. Um, And Timothy is a guy, he spent a lot of time with a guy that you would say he discipled, um, taught him about what it means to be a follower of Christ, um, and then worked alongside him for a long time as well. And he is writing to him some things that he really wants him to grasp. Again, think about this as a guy who is about to die, and so he is speaking these truths that he really wants this guy he spent a ton of time with um, to hold on to. And so there's a desperation in, in his voice and in in what he's writing. Um, and, and tonight, really, as we go through, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Um, you can grab a Bible in front of you um, if you need one. But two main things that are in, in the context of these verses. Really, words are, are the context of these verses. Words. Uh, but, in, but in two ways. The Word of God and then the words that we use as people. So that's where we're going tonight. That's what we're talking about. Um, those two main ideas in this, this section of, of Scripture here, this section of uh, this letter that, that Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, and, and how much words matter. Uh, so that's where we're going tonight. And because, I think especially because of that, um, and as I'm teaching how to handle the Word of God accurately, I'm going to pray about that really quick as well. Um, Father, we thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have given us your word. Uh, that we don't have to just wonder um, about what you think and what you would have us do. Uh, but you have given us written words um, that we can read, that we can study, uh, that, that tell us those things. You have given us your word. And so I pray as your people, I pray as people that are following you, any of us that are following you, uh, that we would be able to, to accurately handle your word. Uh, that we would not misuse it, um, that we would not use it to validate our own opinions, um, but that we would take your word as truth, uh, and that we would preach your word clearly, that we would share your word clearly and handle it accurately in our lives. Um, pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, Second Timothy uh, s- chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Uh, read 14 and 19 and just talk about that section real quick. Uh, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So again, in this section to Timothy, Paul is going to be talking a lot about about words and, and uh, how much words matter. And he starts off by saying, remind them, remind your people, remind the people that you lead, remind the people that you have influence over, um, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. 
which does no good but only ruins the hearers. And so he, he addresses this, this idea that there are people that are, that are fighting about stupid stuff. If that, that would be what my version says, right? Um, that if I were to write it, my paraphrase of that is like, don't be so distracted by fighting about stupid things um, and, and fighting about things that, that, that do no good. Um, and so he gives more detail of, about some, some of those words and what those words are, but, and he'll make this point later on too, that this idea of, of quarreling and fighting about these things, again, these are, he's addressing believers here, followers of Christ. And he's saying don't be quarreling, fighting about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Um, and and one, of the, one of the things that comes to mind when I hear that verse is there are some people, as you, maybe some of you, if you've been a believer for a while, um, and it, it, there's no, don't get me wrong, again, to handle the word of God accurately, I do believe you have to study it, that you should be a student uh, of the word, that you should try to understand what God is saying, and that's the only way you're going to handle it accurately, is if you know it, and you study it, and you deal with it on a regular basis. Um, but there are people that I've come across in my life, and maybe you've seen some of these people, that spend so much time arguing the things of Scripture even, the things that, that can't be known. Um, one of the things that always comes up is predestination. Uh, and for those of you that know, have heard some conversations about that before, predestination versus free will. How much do I get to decide in my relationship with Christ? How much has God decided for me? And that brings up lots of arguments. And, again, and people can talk about that and argue about that, that's only one example. There's other things like that in Scripture that are brought up uh, that aren't black and white. Um, there are lots of things brought up in Scripture that are very black and white. Uh, flee from sexual immorality. You see that all over Scripture. It is very clear that we shouldn't engage in any kind of sexual actions before we're married, um, and that we, even in, in the regards of marriage, that we shouldn't be sexually immoral. We shouldn't be doing things um, that are that are wrong in that area and that there's no there's not a lot of gray in there it's very black and white of like flee from this stuff right well predestination free will and some other topics like that is a lot more gray but there's people that spend so much time fighting and back and forth about their opinions of those things that they spend so much time doing that that they take away from the time that they actually should be loving people and sharing the gospel with people and and so I think about things like that when, it, when he's talking about don't quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Um, and, and there were these guys at, at the, when I first started to follow Christ, there were some guys that I was around that, like, that's all that they would do is argue, like, theological stuff. And again, I'm not, don't hear in any way that I don't think you should study theology and, and study scripture and know uh, lots of things about that. I, I encourage that highly. But if you spend so much time arguing that with other people, uh, like I said, there were some guys in college that like that's all that they would do every time that I was around them. And that did more to hurt my relationship with Christ than help it when, I, when that's all that I saw from those people. Um, and he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, 
accurately handling the word of truth. And, and I looked, looked up some stuff about that. What does it mean to, to accurately handle the word of truth? That phrase, if you look in uh, the original context, that phrase means to, to accurately handle the word, ha- accurately handle something means to cut straight. And so a couple examples that I saw in studying was like a tent maker cutting their material straight and not making it all wavy. Um, a farmer plowing a field straight and not all over the place. And a builder laying bricks straight and not like off-centered and all that sort of stuff, right? Because that matters that if, you're, if you don't do those things straight, all those examples, if you're wavy in the way that you cut your material, if you, are, if you aren't laying bricks straight, if you aren't plowing straight, it's going to affect the outcome of those things that you're trying to do, whether that's building a building or, or the crops that you're going to have or uh, making a tent. Those things are going to be affected by how straight you cut. And the, you need to be accurate in those things to get the results that you want. Um, and so that's where this, this term comes from, to accurately handle the word of truth. Um, again, just like that, there's, there's responsibility in handling Scripture well, that you can, you can mishandle this, that you can study it and you can want to know more about it, and you can, but you can use it in a way that, that it kind of messes things up if you're not careful. And so his charge to Timothy is accurately handle the word of truth. And that's probably the biggest thing in all this section um, because it affects so much of our life. So much of what we do. Like if we don't accurately handle this, um, then it can take us some really stupid places. And it can, in and, and, and big picture, it can give us a misrepresentation of who God is if we don't handle this accurately. And so my hope and my prayer is that you would care enough about that, that you would care enough about handling the word of truth accurately, that you wouldn't even... I hope that I handle it accurately. I pray that I handle it accurately and I study and I do everything that I believe in my power that I can do to handle this accurately so that when I teach, when I'm in this context with you or in a smaller group or whenever I'm sharing truth with people, whether it's one-on-one or or me in front of a lot of people, that I would be pushing them to truth and not my opinion. And I would never use scripture to try to back up my opinion but I would use the scripture for what it is, truth, actual truth. And I would make everything else go through that filter. But so many people filter things through their feelings and through their opinions and then try to add truth onto that. And that is mishandling the word of truth. And I don't want to be that person. So my hope and my prayer is that you would whether it's me or, or other people, that you would not just take what people say to you, what people even teach to you as 100% truth. That you would take what Scripture says as 100% truth. And that you would filter everything through that. Everything. And so, he goes on, uh, he's talking about Handling the word of truth rightly. And he says, avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people to more, into more and more ungodliness. I'll come back to that. We're going to talk about this, handling the word of truth right. Um, and then he goes and he talks about, he says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth 
saying that the resurrection has already happened and they are upsetting the faith of some. So he, he calls out two guys, two guys that he knows. He calls them out by name and he says, here's an example of people that are mishandling the word of God. These two guys. And he gives the reason. He, gives, he says they are, they are actually telling people um, that the resurrection has already happened. So I read some about this and they were saying uh, some, so in the course of my study, just thinking um, that, that these guys basically were saying that when people put their faith in Christ and they had like a spiritual awakening to who Christ is and that was the resurrection and they didn't believe in like one day they're going to die and they're going to be raised. Uh, and they were teaching people that. They were telling people that. And so you can see how they could come to that maybe uh, uh, on their own opinion. But here, here's what I, what I relate it to modern day, right? Uh, a few years ago, there's, there's this guy named Rob Bell, right? And he's, lots of Christian authors and things like that become pretty popular if they write some books that people like to read. Um, he's pretty popular for a while. Um, some of you may know who, who he is. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, I think he's the one that started the trend of like, you know, black rim glasses in Christian culture. Um, I think he started that. Uh, but he is a guy named Rob Bell and he wrote this book uh, called Love Wins. It sounds really awesome, right? Love Wins. I want to read something called Love, Love Wins. Uh, but in that book, he says that hell isn't a real place. Like that you're not, there's not going to be people that spend eternity in a, in a place called hell. Basically, he like says hell isn't a place that people go to. Uh, and he gives all these, these reasons why he believes that. This is after he's built like a pretty good following of people from other books that he's written. Uh, and, and I would say that guy, at least several times, uh, and I read that whole book, and um, I would say he doesn't handle the word of truth accurately. I would say he, he, he brings a lot of his own opinion, uh, and, and as a result of that, he misleads a lot of people, because he is a phenomenal writer. He's a phenomenal writer, and everything that he says sounds really good. Like, you would read it, and you would say, like, man, that sounds like, a, that's a valid argument, you know? But if you know truth well enough, if you know scripture well enough, there'll be red flags that go off in each of those chapters that you read. There'll be things that just don't line up, and then when you dig into Scripture a little bit more, then you'll see exactly why it doesn't line up. But for people that don't know the truth very well and haven't spent a lot of time in Scripture and then read a book like that, it misleads a ton of people. And just like him that has to, he had to do with eternity, these guys had to do with the resurrection, right? And if you read in 1 Corinthians, uh, talks about the resurrection being the crux or the heart of Christianity. And Paul, and, and Paul even goes on to say in there that if Christ, if, if, if people aren't raised from the dead, then Christ isn't raised from the dead. And if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then everybody is still in their sin, and sin is not paid for. So the reason that he calls these guys out by name is they are, they're not only mishandling the word of God, but they're mishandling it in a way in the, in the context of the resurrection, which is the, 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 the biggest point of our faith, that if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, then all these things that we believe in, all the faith that we put 
all the faith that we put in Christ is worthless if he hasn't conquered death. And these guys were saying the resurrection of the dead is not going to happen for us. And so he calls them out and says, like, here, these guys that are saying that this is truth. And he says, their talk will spread like gangrene. Um, I thought about, like, putting, like, a disgusting disease picture up there, but I'm not going to. You get the idea. Uh, gangrene is a disease by which any part of the body, body suffering from inflammation became so corrupted that unless a remedy was applied to it, it continually spread and attacks other parts of the body, and those parts get inflamed, and then eventually it eats away at the bones. So you see like nasty, inflamed, red, nasty skin, and it's what people would call gangrenous, right? It gets so infected that it's gangrenous. And if you don't treat it, then it eats away at more, eats away at more, eats away at more, eats away at more, and then it even starts, eat, it eats away at the bones eventually, which will destroy you, right? This is what he, this is the picture that Paul is using to describe what mishandling the word of God does. When people start to believe that, and more people start to believe that, then it, then it eats away and eats away and eats away and destroys more and more people. So he's warning Timothy. He's saying, like, be careful. This is what you, these two guys that he mentions would be what you call false teachers that you see in other parts of Scripture. They have swerved from the truth. And again, there's people that do that today. A lot of you probably heard of Joel Osteen, and I think he's somebody that mishandles the Word of God pretty often. And that may be like, I just think that's, when you look at Scripture, and you look at truth, and you know it well, and you look at some things that people like that are preaching, and they don't line up with each other. Scripture is not wrong. And so I hope other people would tear apart everything that I teach and everything that I say. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, that they wouldn't believe me either, that you wouldn't believe me either. But I hope that when, when the way that I teach Scripture, the way that I use Scripture, that when you read and you study and you know Scripture on your own, that those two things would line up, the things that I say and the things that are said in Scripture. Some people, I don't know, they shy away from those kind of things and shy away from calling out people specifically and saying specific names sometimes, but it matters. Like, if there's people that are misleading hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people, and giving them a false view of the gospel, a false view of who Jesus is, a false view of of eternity, that's a big deal. Uh, and so he says, you need to accurately handle the word of truth. Rightly handle the word of truth. And he goes on to say, but even though there's some that have swerved from the truth and they're upsetting the faith of some people, we do have to take confidence still and in verse 19 that God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal the Lord knows who are his and and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity and he's saying that God's foundation God's truth still stands whether people are trying to and sometimes not even intentionally I think trying to lead other people away from the truth God's truth the firm foundation of his truth still stands uh, 
In verse 20, it says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable, honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So he uses his, this illustration of these different vessels in a house. Uh, and what are the difference? The honorable ones, he says, are made of gold and silver. Uh, they're honorable, they're set apart as holy, they're useful to the master, uh, and they're ready for every good work. And then the dishonorable vessels are made of wood and clay. Uh, like, like it says, they're dishonorable use. Uh, they're, so then you have to assume they're, they're not set apart if these other ones are set apart. Um, the other ones are useful to the master, and then these aren't as useful to the master or aren't useful to the master, and then they're not ready for every good work. Uh, so what is he saying in that? What is the vessel illustration? Uh, some people, here, here's, here's my best understanding of it, and I would encourage you to study more about it yourself and find out what, what you think is true in this, but some people or vessels bring honor to the Lord as a result of their dedication to follow his truth. And however, there are, there are other people, other maybe even Christians that because of their lack of commitment to God's word, I think there are some people that believe in who God is, have given their life to him, but just don't spend time in his word and they don't study his word and their really lack of commitment to that uh, brings dishonor to him while they're still trying to be instruments of service to him. Uh, so I think the way that we handle the word, the way that we handle truth is, is extremely important is what this is saying. Uh, the way we handle the word will bring life to people or bring death to people. And, and he goes in and he talks a little bit more uh, in verse 22 and he says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Uh, you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So two things here. One, again, the things, like handling truth accurately matters. I'll give you two more examples. One, tell me if you've ever heard this before. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever heard the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that? You ever heard, like seen that quote on Facebook and it has like 100, 100 likes on it, right? God will never give you more than you can handle. Oh, that's so good. It's a lie. It's not good. Because it, it, it mishandles the word of God. Here, this, is, this, this one is one of the biggest ones because you see it all the time. Um, if you go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So hopefully you can be people that inform other people. And again, we'll get to the way to do that accurately and the way to do that, do that well. Um, it's not to call people idiots or anything like that, you know. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is where it comes from. So it is truth from Scripture that is twisted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, 
but with that temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. I'll read it one more time. And, and there's different versions of this. This is the New American Standard, but there's different versions, and this is where people get this from. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful. This part right here especially. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So what, 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 the, what the big mistake here is people take out temptation. They take out that word. And it changes the meaning of the whole thing. Changes the meaning of the whole thing. When people say God will not give you more than you can handle, that's a lie. But people cling on to that. So what, why, what happens when people, when people continue to say this and people believe this because they don't know Scripture? What happens is people hear that and they take that as truth and they take that as biblical truth. And when people say God will never give you more than, than you can handle, then what happens? You get more than you can handle and so then who do you blame? God. He's a liar. Or, like, so, so that, you can either blame God and you can do that. Or if you're saying God will never give you more than you can handle, and he keeps giving you more and he keeps giving you more, and it is more than you can handle, what do you try to do? You try to fix it all yourself. Because the biblical truth, in quotations, that I heard is that God will never give me more than I can handle. So that means I can handle all of this. What does that do? It makes you your own savior, you, your own person who can handle all these things on your own. It was never meant to be that way. God will always give you more than you can handle so that you will run to him. So that you will absolutely run to him because you need him. Do you see how dangerous it is to mishandle the word of truth? Because we give these people that don't know truth these ideas that, that are so far from who God is, so far from what he wants for us. And in this case, it's the exact opposite. He wants us to run to him. He wants us to, to, to need him and to feel that need for him. And what that false truth, I don't even want to say truth, that false statement says is you can handle it all on your own. And that does, what that does is drive us away from God to handle it all on our own. What this scripture is actually saying, that there is always a way out of, out of temptation. So when you are tempted to sin, when you have temptation in your life to click on that website, when you have temptation in your life to do this or do that, there is always a way out. There's always this point in your mind where you know that you have a way out of this and you don't have to do it. If you are a follower of Christ, there's a point in time, every time that you are tempted to sin, that there is a way out if you choose to take it. Many times we ignore it. But what this is saying, God always gives us a way out and no temptation will ever be so big that we have to succumb to it, that we have to fall into it. That term is so horrible, fall into sin. You don't fall into sin, you choose to sin. We like, act like we just like trip and like, oh, I fell into some more sin. No. I chose to go into that, right? You don't fall into sin. You choose sin. So what this scripture is saying, there is no temptation, none. I don't care how many times you've looked at porn, how many times you've cussed, how many times you've done this or done that. There is always a way out if you choose to take it. This is what this scripture is saying. It is not saying that God will not give you more than you can handle. God gives people more than they can handle all the stinking time. 
so that they will run to him. Sorry, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. Is when I see that quote. It makes me really angry uh, because of how much it misleads people. My sister posted it one time. My sister is going to be with us in a few weeks. And I was like, no, like, you need to run to him. You don't need to try to take this all on your own because that's what that quote is going to make you do. Accurately handle the word of truth. The other example, there's just, what, yesterday or two days ago, there's somebody on Facebook. There's a lot of truth mishandled on Facebook. Um, there's somebody on Facebook that was trying to back up their opinion that circumcision is wrong, like to circumcise a little boy is against the Bible. It is not biblical. That's what they were saying. They were saying it's not big, biblical for, for parents to have their kids circumcised, their boys circumcised when they are born. And they, they, they shared an article that said this is not biblical. And what did it do? If you read through that article, it had a lot of scripture pulled out of context to support their opinion. And my wife got into a discussion with somebody about it, you know? And she handled it well. It's somebody that she knows. And so that's the only reason that she has, she did, she handled it really well. But it's somebody that she knows and somebody that she would just try to handle it because why? Why is it worth speaking up about? Because there'll be people that just, this, this is what's happening all the time on Facebook and on Instagram and things like that. People share an article about something and then everybody gets behind it even if they haven't even read the whole article, even if they just read the title, they're like, yeah, I like that. And it's like somebody's opinion laced with some scripture here and there. That's stupid. That's taking people's stupid directions. It is mishandling the word of God and it is taking other people further away from Christ. That's why it matters. Because people that don't know the truth will hear some partial truths and link up their life to that. And partial truths will still lead you to death. You have to handle this accurately. It's, it's dangerous. Like, what does Scripture call the Bible? What's the word picture for the Bible? It is what? The what of truth? Sword. Or the, yeah, sword of the Spirit, right? Sword. I think that's on purpose. I know that's on purpose. It's not like God was like, oh, let me just pick something. Ah, uh, sword. That sounds good. Uh, it was on purpose. <laughs> But when I think about that, I think like, think about the sword, right? And maybe even more so, I think about like, think about a blade at least. Let's get a little bit. Think about a blade. That, that God will use this to cut you. To cut you in the way that a surgeon will cut you. Right? Does it hurt to be cut? Yes. But if it's a surgeon using that tool, a scalpel, in the right way, cutting you will heal you and make you better and make you whole again. Okay? He handles that accurately and it will heal you. He handles that in the wrong way, it will kill you. Literally. One little wrong cut in a surgery dead. The right cuts heals you. 
This is the same thing. You can use this to heal people, to bring life to them, or you can use it to kill them and destroy them. And and it's not limited to just how we use Scripture. That is a, hear me on how important that is. But it's also talking about the way that we use our words, the way that we talk, the way that we speak to other people. I shared this quote this, this, this past week. If you can give me that first uh, picture. And it comes from Proverbs. There's a couple different verses in Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, so I shared this on Instagram this week. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Right? And that comes from Proverbs 18.21 that says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Or one version says it this way. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. So back to that, right? So words kill, words give life. They're either poison or the fruit. You choose. So the things that I say will bring poison to people's life and help destroy it. Or it will be fruit that helps give them life that is good. Uh, there's a couple other verses. Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Those of you that just be talking all the time, be careful. That's what it says. You just open your mouth and you're just talking, 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 talking. Be careful. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness or, or a deceitful tongue breaks or crushes the spirit. Uh, and if you throw that other image up here, I saw this one too, and I thought it, it made a lot of sense to me because at first I was like, ah, I don't know if I really want to show that. It's, it's a little intense, but uh, it says your words have power, use them wisely. It's the same thing, right? And that's just words. And when I think about that, when I see that image, I think about how I talk to my kids. And I don't want to crush them, but I want to bring them life. But there are times when I act out of my own flesh, and I feel like I do that. Um, and, and I feel like if we see that image and you get that image of like your words and how, especially how they affect a little kid, there's no difference in, the, in how you affect other people too. We're just better at hiding it the older we get. The older we get, we're better at hiding like how, how words affect us. We just get a lot of practice of that, of like hiding the way that we feel. But whether that's a little kid or a plug-in, whoever's face you want to plug in there, the, the things that you speak either bring life or bring death to people. That's what Scripture says. The way that we speak to people brings life to them or brings death to them. And so for you to think that you have words that don't matter, that's not true. So think about that. Think about your, your everyday life. Think about maybe the people that you talked about today. Were you bringing life to people today or were you bringing death to people today? I don't know how many times over the eight years that we've been here, over the eight years that I've been doing this, that I've had conversations with kids in the midst of church, in the midst of our group, that are a part of this group, that, that don't want to come because of things that people say about them. 
So believe and hear that your words matter. The things that you speak to people, it matters. You don't usually see the effects right away. You usually don't see the effects. Maybe you never see the effects. But remember, if nothing else, remember that the weight that your words carry. Just kind of laughing and making fun of people, it may not seem like it does anything. Again, why? Because people are really good at hiding it. They maybe even laugh along with you because that's how they are going to survive this thing and save face. But the words you use bring life or bring death. That's not an exaggeration. They're either choking life out of people or they're bringing life to them. So then the way that we handle scripture and the way that we talk, the way that we speak to people, um, this, these, these verses here, it says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. You shouldn't be somebody that's just starting fights and starting arguments with people. Should be kind to everyone. Should be able to teach. It says we should be able to teach. The only way you're able to teach the word of God, the only way you're able to teach truth is if you know truth. First step is knowing it. You have to be able to know it if you're going to teach it. But it even goes a step further. It's not enough just to know truth. It says you should be able to be kind to everyone with that truth. Be able to teach. Be able to patiently endure evil. And it says we should be able to correct opponents with gentleness. It doesn't say we should be able to stab people with the word of God. It says we should be able to correct their opponents with gentleness. And why? Why, why does that matter? Why does the way that we talk to people matter? It says, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. It is literally saying the way that we speak to people can, can potentially allow them to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved from their sin and from death forever because of the way that we spoke to somebody. I don't mean to scare you, but I do mean to scare you, I guess. Think about what you say, because it really, really matters. And be somebody that handles this well, and and handles it in a way that it, it brings healing to people, even, I mean, even sometimes when you tell people the truth and you push them to the truth, it will hurt sometimes. Again, if you think about surgery, things like that, it will hurt sometimes, but it will bring healing if it's done in the right way. But it will destroy people if it's not done in the right way. 